I love my church. We started this series last Sunday. And contrary to what the title might imply, the series is not about promoting us. It's not about promoting Sterling First Church of the Nazarene. It's not about promoting the denomination, the Church of the Nazarene, though I think all of that is appropriate and deserving. It's about the church, capital C, his church, wherever and whenever. Have you ever considered the fact that 24 hours a day, in fact, many days of the week, but certainly on the weekends, and it's more than 24 straight, but at least every hour on the hour and on the quarter hour and half hour and three-quarter hour, there are church services happening around the world. I know because I pray for my kids who are missionaries in Kenya, and I realize they're eight hours ahead of us according to our clocks. And even when I get up on Sundays rather early, they're just starting to get out of church, depending on how the service went. And I think of that in friends that are serving in other parts of the world and realize that the church is so much more than what we see. It's so much more than one hour or two if you attend a group or three if you're really spiritual and come during the middle of the week. <laughs> it's so much more than that. And what we've been called to do and to be as the church, the foundation we laid last Sunday that this whole series is based upon in the New Testament in the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. Let me read them for you. And then the rest of the message is going to come out of Hebrews chapter 10. But John chapter 13, beginning at verse 34, says, A new command I give you, that you love one another. Now remember, that word is... The word agape, love. We just use one word. The, the Greeks used many, or used many different words. And it meant unconditional, all-encompassing love. A new command I give you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You see, when it comes to being the church and to loving the church, we have to get this picture and we have to understand this focus this morning. That to be the church, to love the church, means we show love by being in community. Love shows up in community. Now, I want you to realize what I mean by community. By community, I don't mean Sterling or Rock Falls. By community, I don't mean the address where your bills arrive. I don't mean the address you tell someone if they're coming to visit you. What I mean by community is relationship, 
for community is where we really live, not just our address. If you're using your house as the example, community is the family room, not the formal living room. Community is the living space where the action really happens. Maybe it's the kitchen, not the formal dining room. Or maybe you're outside and it's the backyard. You know, the one you put the fence around so the neighbors don't see all the stuff back there. It's the one where the weeds may or may not get pulled, but the front yard, we definitely pull them because that's the show. Community is not about the show. It's about the relationship. So we have to ask this question. Is there community in our church? Big C and little c. And are you living in community with one another? Or is everything more like that formal living room? It looks pretty. And our main thing is, please don't spill anything in here. Community is getting past the facade. In fact, I don't know where it is, Eric, if we've got that picture of... Uh, Now, the guy whose face you can see on the show, his name was Tim. Actually, in real life, his name was Tim. But the guy on the other side, any of you remember what his name was? Wilson. And that's all you ever saw. In all the seasons of the show, even when he wasn't behind the fence, he always had something up so that, kind of like during COVID with the mask, some of you, I have yet to see anything above that or below that. In fact, I'm embarrassed to say there's been a couple times where, where you've been seated and I've tried to figure out and I, I asked the staff and other people, I said, who was sitting about right there? And they named name. I go, I, who? I, I couldn't tell who it was. But you see, the problem with that is you don't really know Wilson. Too many of us come to church like that. I'm here. I want you to know I'm here, but I don't want you to know me. Now, the beauty is God knows behind the fence. <laughs> God knows what your living room really looks like. Even when people stop by unannounced. That was just for the ladies. All the guys are going, so, uh, yeah, okay. Well, all but one or two of the guys. But community gets beyond the facade. It gets beyond the fence. It gets beyond the masks that we too often wear. For you see, we show love in community. In fact, I'm going to, create a word for you today. You see, community shows up when we choose to live in one another-ness. That word's not in the dictionary. You can now add it to your dictionary and put Pastor Denny beside it. One another-ness. That means living in community, operating in community. 
loving in community, praying, serving, worshiping, giving in community. Where the fence comes down or is opened up and the masks come off and we live in reality with the kind of love that God has shown us that we sang about, that reckless love that says, <laughs> no matter what, I love you. The kind of love that moms have expressed so many times, and hopefully dads too. The kind of love that we should show, not just to those of us we can see and hear, but those of us wherever we are and whoever we run into. To show them that love. Remember the key passage in John chapter 13. They will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. One translation said, how you love one another is the proof of your love. It's active. It's action. So how do we live in community? How do we choose to live in one another-ness? We have to recognize this. Jesus Christ tore down the barriers in our world, in our life. He tore them down. Take a look at this from Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 19, reading down through verse 25. And I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. Since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up or spur one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Jesus Christ on the cross and with the empty tomb tore down all the barriers between us and God. He did it through his flesh on the cross. Now, to understand, we, we have trouble with this, but they would have understood it at this time that in the temple, there was a curtain that hung from the ceiling to the floor. You could not see through it and you and I couldn't enter behind it. And behind the curtain, behind the wall, was God, the presence of God. And only select priests could enter in there. In fact, when they went in for their time of service, quite often they had a rope tied around either their waist or their ankle so that in case they weren't worthy when they went back there and dropped dead, you could pull them out without having to go back there yourself. <laughs> yeah, I thought that several times, and especially this week in preparing. And uh, I get so nervous 
in preparation for a message. And the, and the Sunday I'm not nervous is the Sunday I need to announce my retirement because that means I don't realize how important this is. But I thought, it's nervous doing it this way. Imagine if it's your Sunday to go back there and if you're not okay, you don't just have somebody say, I didn't like that pastor. You don't just get an email or an anonymous letter, which by the way, I don't get those, thank you. But you drop dead. And I even thought, how different would I prepare all week <laughs> if when I stood up and God went, yeah, I don't think so, Dennis, and that's it. In many ways, I hope I prepare that way anyway. But what he did was tear that barrier apart. And when Jesus was on the cross, and when he said, it is finished, and breathed his last, those who were in the temple saw the curtain between where all of us would be in the sanctuary and into the Holy of Holy where God's presence was, was torn from top to bottom. And it's important to realize it didn't start at the bottom where somebody clipped it and then the priest ripped it. It was from the top to the bottom where nobody could reach. God did it and announced in a dramatic way the pathway is now open for anyone to approach me. That means you and I. That means your neighbors and coworkers and classmates and your annoying Uncle Tom or Bob or Dennis. It means your nosy Aunt Sue. Or Jody. It is open to all of us. At any time. To live in community realizes the barrier has been removed. The separation is gone. If I had 30 seconds to explain to you how I came to faith in Christ, I would say something about the fact that there was a separation between God and I, and I finally realized that through the cross of Jesus Christ and the empty tomb that he bridged the gap for that separation, and I crossed over because he provided the way. He's removed the barrier. Now, we put barriers up, and Satan creates false barriers that trick us at times. But the barrier has been removed, but you must choose to enter into his presence. He's already here. He's right there. It's not a matter of taking a trip. It's a matter of making a choice and saying, yes, Lord. It's a matter of saying, here I am, because he's already chosen you. Now, the other part we have to understand with this is that because the separation is gone, because the barriers have been torn down, we can choose to enter and we can enter boldly with confidence. I love this. I mean, therefore, brothers, verse 19, since we have confidence 
to enter the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus. Some translations say with boldness or boldly. And I did a word study on that, and it was so fun that the word we translate confidence or boldness or boldly in that verse means to enter in confidence without fear, or this is my favorite, with cheerful courage. I want to start living with cheerful courage. (laughs) And I want to know that I can enter into his presence. I can approach him. And by approaching him, it simply means saying yes. You don't have to travel. If you're watching online right now, you, you don't have to come here for that. We wish you would and love for you to. But you don't have to because he enters into where you are. Jesus tore down the barriers. And if we're going to live in community, and if we're going to live in one anotherness, then we have to come together. Hebrews 10, verses 22 and 23 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Hmm. And our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And that's the theme throughout the New Testament of God's faithfulness. It's the theme throughout the Old Testament of God's faithfulness. Because the one who calls you, 1 Thessalonians 5.24 says, is faithful and he will do it. He's already done his part. He will continue whatever he calls you to do. But we must come together. First, we have to come together with Christ. A personal relationship saying yes to him. Accepting the forgiveness that he's already given. Then we have to come together with one another. Those of us who make like claims with each other. Too many churches have too many people who gather together but don't come together. Who gather in the same place, but are not of one heart and mind. Who arrive at the same address, but are not in one anotherness. We need to make that choice. Now, let me insert this here. You have to understand that doesn't mean we agree with each other on everything. I mean, some of you root for the wrong baseball team. I love you anyway. I pray for you, but I love you. Most of us root for the wrong football team. (laughs) Some of you like coconut. I did a deep dive on this. God didn't intend for us to eat coconut. At least I don't think he did. Some of you moms have served liver and onions to your family. (laughs) Talk about a prayer life. See, we don't have to agree politically. Seriously, we don't have to agree to love each other. We don't have to agree on COVID restrictions to love each other. 
We don't have to agree on the temperature in the sanctuary to love each other. Some of you are going, I'm not sure about that. We don't have to agree on how loud or soft the music is. Cheerful courage. I like that phrase. We need to come together with him and choose to come together with one another. And then we need to choose to come together with all others. Wherever, whoever, whenever. I loved one of the first promise keepers I went to. A pastor by the name of of Johnson who was pastoring um, inner city in Indianapolis stood up in front of uh, it was in the, at that time, called the Hoosier Dome. It's called some other corporation dome now. In fact, it's been torn down, and a new thing has been built in Indianapolis. But he stood up in front of this 50,000 men, and he said, if God is your father, then I am your brother. That's true of each person around the world. That anyone that has chosen to follow Christ as our brother and sister, and that those who have yet to choose him are the others that we are still to love. In fact, it's the only way they're going to make it into the kingdom. It's the only way they're going to come to faith in Christ, is if we show them the love of Christ. To live in one anotherness with each other, reaching all others. One of the things I love about this local church and about our denomination is our passion for world missions. We are in, a, I think it's 164 different world areas now. Some of them we can't even print the name of the country for fear of the life of the missionaries that are serving there. But I love that we have the passion saying, even at a high cost, it's worth it. Christ tore the barriers down. We have to choose to live in this. And then, when we do, we are to, some of you are going to like this, stir up one another but you may not like it when I explain it. <laughs> to stir up or spur on one another. Verses 24 and 25 of Hebrews 10 says, let us consider how to stir up or spur on one another in love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as it's the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We are to stir one another up, not in division or conflict, but motivated to live and love like Jesus. To stir one another up, to be accountable. How is your faith? Not just, what did you think of the game? How's your prayer life? 
not just where are you eating after church. To spur one another, to stir one another. That accountability is in this one anotherness, and it's when true community. Children under the age understand it because parents give them these things called curfews. And they hate them, not the parents, the kids. But the parents are doing it for their good. But the kids don't believe that until they become a parent. (laughs) And they figure it out. And, okay, let me back up just a second. Even you moms who serve liver and onions, you thought you were doing it for their good. That's still debatable, but I understand that was your thought. And part of that is that accountability. How are you doing? It is that checking in with one another, not just the surface behind the fence, not keeping our masks up, and also not just being woe is me, but earnestly and honestly saying if things are great or if we could use prayer. If things are going well, or if we're limping. How amusing is it how often (laughs) we just automatically say, fine. How are you, fine? To be accountable. To be accountable also means that we need to encourage and spur one another to do good things, the right things, to serve one another, encouraged by our actions, by your love, they will know. And encourage and spur with our words as well as how we pray for one another, not at one another. Some of us pray for a lot of people. (laughs) We just don't really pray for them. Lord, Help them to see that my way is the right way. (laughs) We do it. Instead of, Lord, help them to see that your way is the right way. And hopefully my way matches that. But it is not us versus them. It is us with him. To encourage and spur one another on. By how we live, how we pray, how we serve, how we give, how we love one another. And also, we're to stir one another up in the meeting together. This is not a pitch for church attendance so that we can count numbers. It is a matter of the value of coming together. One of the greatest things that happened through all the COVID restrictions is when we had to shut down for a while. That wasn't good. It's what came out of it. That many people, I have heard from so many people in so many places who said, at first with the online stuff, I thought this is pretty good. I'm in my sweats, I'm in my recliner, I got my cup of coffee, and I'm still going to church. 
that's not wrong. But after a couple of weeks, what they also start to notice is, I miss the one anotherness. I miss hearing others sing. I miss seeing them, even if I can't get close to them. We are encouraged, motivated, strengthened, uplifted by coming together. Not just in the big groups, but in the small ones as well. Across the table from one another. Standing by their cars in the parking lot. And sharing life together. That one anotherness is being Christ to one another. Pointing to Christ for one another. And then together going out to reach all others. So I have to ask you this morning, how is your one anotherness? Are you living in community, true community? Not just showing up, but living in community? What steps toward community will you take this week or this day to choose to earnestly follow the call of Christ to live in faith and love together to reach all others. We've been created for community. Why don't we just live there? And why don't we draw anyone and everyone in to the community? God's big enough for it. We need to be as well. Father, thank you for loving us through everything. Thank you for calling us to you and making it available by removing all the barriers. Thank you for patiently loving us no matter what. Thank you for your so-called reckless love. Lord, I pray that this morning you would spur us on in our relationship with you, in our relationship with one another, and in our outreach to all others. Guide us this week to become more in community as you created us, called us, and designed us to be. In Jesus' name, I plead for these things. Amen.